Welcome everyone, Neil's uh, old-timer Aish, as he's mentioned, been involved in our community for many, many years already. He's an enthusiastic and energetic CEO and founder of Century 21 Masters, an accomplished veteran in the real estate space with 40 plus years in the business and is nationally recognized as one of the country's top real estate trainers and sale coaches who has personally trained, coached and mentored thousands of successful real estate professionals which is, uh, to me, what's most fascinating is you went more into the world of training than in the world of actually making the sales, meaning you're lifting up people as opposed to lifting your own business, which is a very special thing to do. I find it amazing. So thank you. Welcome, Neil. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. And I appreciate this. And I had a few minutes to talk to, to some of the people and uh, it's just it's a great group and I really appreciate the opportunity to come in and do this and uh, and when I got a call from the rabbi we were talking actually I was in the process of kind of working on our business plan we as an organization uh, do things a little bit counterintuitively most business organizations were building their business plans starting in um, October and November as the year tends to end and people start thinking about the next year. We don't do that. We haven't done that in 10 years. What we do as an organization is we do, we call it run through the finish line. We don't work on business plans. We don't work on any of that kind of thinking until we get into the last week of the year. And in many cases, the 31st, we were selling houses taking listings and making sales in the last quarter at a higher level. And our agents were making way more money than a lot of times in the best part of the markets, because as account, and this is kind of our thing, the, the, the marketplace was shrinking. There were less sales in the last quarter of the year as there always are in the last quarter of the year. However, what was, what's always very interesting is there's a lot less real estate agents working. It, you have 30 to 40% less business, but you have 50 to 80% less real estate agents. Why? Because average real estate agents think there aren't, there is no business in the last quarter. So we take that and do something with it, which is really what I started thinking that Rabbi asked me to, to talk about something, you know, at the beginning of the year, you know, there was this book I read um, from John Mason called the, it was the enemy called average, the enemy called average. So many things are people are average and we fight against that constantly. That's, if you will, my thing. Some of the highest paid, highest producing, most per, uh, productive real estate agents in Southern California and actually in a good part of the country from when I was coaching professionally um, make millions of dollars a year selling houses. Houses and not Beverly Hills houses. I'm talking about 100, 200, 300 houses Long Beach and Huntington Beach and and uh, Glendora, California. I mean, it's crazy. La Habra, La Habra, California, Placentia, um, 
100 houses. You know what it is to sell 100 houses? It's, it's amazing. You think about this, 200 pieces of property. We do things that are very counterintuitive. Uh, I do not like working with average people. Um, I look for above average people. And that's kind of where we start. Um, I was trained, not, I'm not in the business to uplift the downtrodden. I'm in the business to help people who want to go and grow to the next level. The enemy called average is the title of the talk. The five steps to defeat being average and how to get the most out of 2021. Rabbi, are you recording this? Are you? Yes, yes. Okay, good. Good. I actually think there might be some good stuff here today. <laughs> We're excited. I'm, I'm having fun. Okay. Everyone will have time for questions at the end. Well, we'll do, we'll, we'll, you know, I'm yours. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. That's great. So I wrote down here, everything big starts with something little. Everything big starts with something little. So what, what, what do I mean? The great painter was once a student of art. Okay. The superstar quarterback, the two quarterbacks that are playing, I get, is it, is it this Sunday they're playing? Is it this Sunday or next Sunday? Anyway, whenever they play, um, you'll find that sports is not my, my thing. Um, the superstar quarterback was once playing Pop Warner. They were a student. They were a kid. Okay. The great math whizzes once didn't know, think about this. The great math whizzes didn't know the multiplication tables at some point in their life. Think about it. Everyone starts small. Everyone starts as a student, as I, as you. We all have that same opportunity. The great rabbis all started as students. You know, the stories when you talk to them are just amazing. So just a couple of things as we get started here. So first of all, I like interaction. I, you got to talk to me. I got to talk to you. I don't get this today. So here's what I'd like you to do. Find your chat box. Find the chat box. And when you find the chat box, put a one in it. And I want to I wanna see your, just put a one and hit enter. Okay. All right, we got people chatting, Rabbi? Yes. Yep. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, we see a lot of ones coming. All right, up. good. Okay, so I, I need interaction here. All right, so this, this helps me. Absolutely. All right. So if you're looking for uh, some fun and you're looking to learn some stuff, I want you to now put a two in the chat box. Okay, it's not that hard. A one. And a two. You guys can do this. Oh, Stay with fast. me here. They're pretty fast. <laughs> All right. I like that. Good job. I like that. <laughs> Good job. Okay. I know you're here and you know I'm here. All right. So that's the first activity. Interaction. All right. The second, and if you have a question, put it in the chat box and Rabbi, stop me along the way. Okay. And if I can answer it, then I will. If not, then we'll talk about it at the end. Okay. I'm in. Um, All right, great. Okay, now what I want you to do is I need you guys to turn off your I can't do that knob for right now. Okay, turn it off. 
shut it off, put an X through it, okay? Turn off the I can't do that knob. I want you to turn off the that won't work for me switch, all right? Turn it off, get rid of it for just the next few minutes while we talk about this. Every one of us, including me, has got stuff that I put in my head that says I can't do it, I shouldn't do it, I tried that once before, and that's the last one I want you to do is I want you to stop saying for now, I tried that once and it didn't work for me. So those, we got to get on the same playing field. You have to have an open mind with this conversation here. All right? Okay, now, I want you to write down to get the most out of 2021, you need to get stronger and build stamina in the following muscles. All right? If you're taking notes, it's a good time to write this stuff down. The first one is you need to be dedicated to building the I am getting the job done muscle. I am getting the job done muscle. That sounds, that sounds too easy, Neil. Let me tell you something. I deal with a lot of talented people who don't know how to get out of bed in the morning before 7.30 or 8 o'clock. You know, all the people, you go take this, uh, take this, uh, this link down. It's called events, E-V-E-N-T-S dot C21masters.com. Uh, Rabbi, I'll post it in there for, for later. Okay. This, since the 17th of March, I've interviewed 60 real estate agents from across the country. Wow and found out from them what they do, how they do it, and how they've made. And every single one of them, except one, has earned in excess of a million dollars this year selling houses. Some two, some three, yeah. A million dollars commission income, not a million dollar house. A million dollars selling houses in commission and money, Gelt. Okay, there's, there's 55 or 60 of those interviews up there. Check them out, take a look. You're gonna find that most of the people get up at four, four o'clock, 4.30 in the morning. I mean, I changed my, I used to get up at, um, at 5.03. I, I don't know where 5.03 came from, but it was 5.03, I did that for years. And I wanted to add another 15 minutes to my Peloton ride. Um, so, and I really didn't want to get up earlier. I really didn't. Um, but I did some work on it and I thought, well, okay, I won't get have to, have to get up a half an hour earlier. I just need to get up like 15 or 20 minutes earlier. So now I get up at 4.50, okay? Alarm goes off at 4.50. I'm out of bed. We don't, we don't push the alarm. Boom, we go. I'm on the bike usually by 5.05, by 5.10 at the latest. Boom. We're doing it. We got 45 minutes in. I'm pumped. I'm excited. Okay. So I'm going to get the job done muscle. Make sure you get that one. So the next one is we need to dedicate ourselves to I'll keep going even when I don't want to muscle. I'm going to keep going even when I don't want to muscle. I don't feel like going to the gym. I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like making those calls. We have some people in show business here. I don't feel like, my gosh, that what you shared with me is that all of the actors got together and you filmed it separately and then put it all together. Brilliant. 
absolutely brilliant. I'd love to see the finished product on something like that. And then I wrote down here, we must get dedicated to building the, I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do muscle. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do muscle. And I added a little caveat to that. A lot of times we do what we say we're going to do to others because we don't want to look embarrassed in front of them, but we almost never do what we say we're going to do to ourselves. We make promises to ourselves all the time and we don't keep those promises. Think about it. So let's keep some of those promises. I'm gonna do what I say I'm going to do on the promises I made to myself, okay? So we get started on that. I wrote down here, a common trait in all successful people is that they're consistent in the small things. So we think we have to do the big things. Uh-uh. It's the small things. There's power in taking small steps. They get up early, they exercise, they have a routine, they get the morning right. You wanna get, you wanna do something right right now? You wanna do something that you get tomorrow and feel empowered? Write this down, get the AM right, get the morning right, circle it. So what you do between seven in the morning and noontime you can get the morning right more often. The rest of the day will generally go right and you will have a fabulous day. Even if you didn't make a lot of money, you still feel good about yourself because you did the activities. I'm gonna talk more about that in a minute. One of my very favorite quotes is, it's baby steps consistently, not giant steps occasionally that wins the day. Ba not ba it's baby steps consistently, not giant steps occasionally that can win the day, all right? Some of the people that I coach and I work with, I write, wrote this down, and many people are not moving forward today because they simply are not willing to take the small steps necessary. What's a small step? Getting up on time the same every, time, every day. Get up on time every day. Decide what time that is something you can do consistently over time, get up and do that. Just do it. Just set it up and do it. It's, a, it's amazing how many people blow that first time. I wrote down, don't be afraid to take small steps. There's power in the momentum. There's power in the momentum. Okay, so my experience has been that the reason most people get stuck in mediocrity and average is because they refuse to fail. It's kind of counterintuitive. They refuse to fail. The re reason I believe people refuse to fail is because they associate failure with defeat. They associate failure with defeat. Their fear of defeat paralyzes them to the point that they don't even move forward. Think about this. People are not finished when they are defeated. They're finished when they quit. People are not finished when they're defeated. They're finished when they're quit. Any read, anybody read any books about Navy SEALs and what they go through? It's not the toughest that, that uh, get through um, SEAL training. It's not the, the meanest and the toughest. It's the ones that have the inner strength. They don't quit. 
You ever run into somebody that doesn't quit? They just keep getting back up. One of my favorite movies on the planet, I watch this every single year, is Rudy. I don't know if any of you have watched that movie. It's a football movie. L ladies, you'd love it. It's all about not giving up and not quitting. Okay. People are not finished when they're defeated. They're finished when they quit. So I wrote down here, uh, Benjamin May. Uh, he was a Southern activist years ago. God, back in the, I think he was born in the late 1800s, early 1900s. But he wrote, the tragedy of life is not in our failure, but rather in our complacency. Not in our doing too much, but rather in doing too little. Not in living above our ability, he says, but rather in living below our capabilities. So many people do that and they get complacent. They do what I call the, the uh, I call it the listing dance or the appointment dance. You know, our, our agents are on the phone calling and they're trying to set an appointment and they get this appointment set and then they start, woo, I'm the greatest, I'm the best, look at me, I'm so cool, I got this thing done. Kiss of death, kiss of death. Stay focused on your job while you're doing your job. Be happy, be cool. But remember, getting an appointment for those of you in sales, it's your job. What are you dancing around for? You've got a job to do. It's called set an appointment, go on the appointment and do the business. No matter what you're buying or selling houses, or you're in the, the, the teaching business, or even in the rabbi business. Rabbi, rabbi Jack, you're selling us on saving our souls, right? It's all sales, all sales. All sales, baby. <laughs> Talking to our children, it's all sales, okay? <laughs> exactly. All right. So people get stuck in mediocrity are more likely to be frustrated and blow a deal or lose control during a tense negotiation. Why? Because they haven't had the foresight. This, this is where practice comes in. Either mental practice, thinking about it, or doing the deal. They didn't have the foresight to imagine every conceivable setback and obstacle <clears throat> and find ways to overcome the adversity before it becomes reality. Think about what you're doing, plan on it, and go forward. This is one of the things where uh, it, it, I believe we've had an over-reliance on talent. You see, I believe that success lures us into thinking our talents are enough. We don't take into consideration the external factors or the random events that could have played in, 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 in what's going on here. Uh, I don't like early successes. Um, my, my dad told me early on when I was decently successful early on in the business that he didn't think that was the best for me because he need, I needed to beat up a little bit. He was right. He was right because I started to get a little cocky. I started to get a little bit full of myself and boom, got myself into, into a little bit of trouble, a little bit of financial trouble and stuff. Didn't have to happen. But it 
that's the kind of stuff that 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 happens to us okay so we we need to we just because we made the right call once before doesn't mean we'll be as lucky the next time that that's the whole point if you read a team that's produced great numbers it's tempting to call yourself a genius and take credit for the achievements yeah but that may not be the case but what if your genius turns out to be a stroke of good luck or or worse the result of competitors problems and you didn't even realize a competitor was having problems they had problems you were able to beat them on on the deal or beat them in the bid and boy next year they come back and beat you like a drum just think be very very careful i wrote down here it is not what happens to you in life that matters it's how you react to it it's not what happens to you in life that matters it's how you react to it we all have things that happen to us it's how you react to it big 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 lesson there for me anyway um so this is something i've shared with my staff if if you're into activities and creating the goals you'll kind of get this but I've been sharing this with people for, for a number of years. I, I'm not sure where I read this or where it came from, but it's just so powerful. In my book, failure is not not hitting your goal. Okay, that's so counterintuitive to the world. You don't hit your goal, you're a failure, you're a loser. Uh-uh. In my book, not failure is not not hitting your goal. Failure is not doing the activities necessary on a day-to-day -day basis to accomplish your goals. What I believe is there is no shame in not hitting your goal. The shame is in not doing the work required to accomplish your goal. For that, I believe there is no excuse. It's not a, not a failure to not hit your goal. The failure is not doing the activities. You guys know what I'm talking about. There are days you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. If you have a work day and you have activities to do, get it done. You have a question here? Of course. Uh, when you find yourself in a rut or unhappy with your progress, stop digging. How do you get yourself mentally ready to bounce back? First of all, stop digging. Okay. When, it, when you're in a rut, you're digging a rut, okay? So first of all, stop digging, stop. Second of all, find things that are inspiring to you. Um, when we build our plan, one of the things that's in our plan for the day is three, four, five, depending on the person, uh, 10 minute breaks to pour positive stuff, either reading, or one of the greatest tools I found for me personally is YouTube. I love stuff on YouTube. I get the biggest smile. It, it, some days I'm listening to a song. Some days I'm listening to a joke. Some days I'm watching Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers dance to some current music, puts a big goofy smile uh, on my face. There's motivational things and there's a ton of stuff. If you want, I have, I have about 1,100 videos up on YouTube. You're welcome to go put yourself to sleep there. Got nothing to do at three in the morning. Check it out, okay? Um, 
But I, I gotta tell you, it, it, it's not hard. Be per, here's the deal. You're going to get sad. You're going to get down. You're not going to feel good. So prepare some things for that. For instance, I'll, I'll give you an example. Right now, next to me is food. I know that my blood sugar over an hour, an hour and a half period of time, it will, will start to fall and my energy will start to drop. Well, part of my attraction, part of what makes me interesting is my energy. You guys, do you feel that? You see that? Hello? Talk to me. All right. I love the energy. Yes, we feel it. Okay. But, but the energy is, the energy dissipates. I know it does. So I have some cheese, I have some crackers, I have some water. I never get into a situation where I don't have that for me. Plus, for the 30 minutes or 40 minutes before I started this talk, I'm on YouTube watching goofy things. You know, you guys won't relate to this. And my wife will be mad for sharing uh, because I'll be dating myself. But some of the funniest shit out there is the Dean Martin roast. Okay. I don't know if you've, you've seen them. And YouTube, type in Dean Martin roast. And some of the greatest comedians are up there just killing each other in jokes. And I'm telling you, 15, 20 minutes of that stuff, funny. All the great uh, Jackie Mason. Jackie Mason cracks me up. I'll see, I'll go anywhere to see Jackie Mason live. I just love that guy. It's terrible. I can't see him lately. But go to YouTube. You can you can see this stuff. 10, 15 minutes tops. That's all you need. All right. But but make sure you have it available for, for three to five times a day. Because I got to tell you, in the sales business, you get up and you get down. And, and that's just in the first three minutes of the morning. You know, you pick up. That's why we tell our agents, don't pick up your emails. Don't answer your telephone before noontime because there's nothing good going to come from it. You think a client's going to call you and say, hey, I want to list my house. Come on over. I want to sell my house. It's a $2 million deal. Come on. None of that happens before noontime. Forget it. It's a, I've decided not to sell. So call me. That's the crap you get it before noontime. Don't do it. Okay. So I wrote down here, Napoleon Hill. You guys know Napoleon Hill. Put a four in the chat box if you know the name Napoleon Hill. If you don't know the name Napoleon Hill, Rabbi, have him do a couple of talks, will you? Share, share some of his stuff. He's, he writes, most great people have attained their greatest success just one step beyond their greatest failure. It's not what happens to you that matters. It's how you react to it. Remember that part? So I wanted to give you five steps to help you stop being average. All right. Not necessarily in this order. They're just all important in different ways at different times. Number one, eliminate the negative self-talk. Eliminate the negative self-talk. One of the first steps to getting out of your own way and unlocking the doors to success is to eliminate negative self-talk self that's going on in your head. Your head is a scary place. Don't go there by I'm yourself. Writing this down. Anyone willing to write this down? 
I'll give you the notes, Rabbi. Okay. When you're consistently telling you can't do something or that you're not that good or that your goals will never be achieved, the negative loop starts to be created. So starting today, you need to make a conscious effort to cut the negative chatter. Cut the negative chatter. It's like um, we play a game with this rabbi, kind of like Lesh and Hora. You know, um, the person speaking Lesh and Hora is at fault, but the person listening to Lesh and Hora is as equal as, as to has as much fault, maybe more. Correct? Yes, yes. Yes. So get a friend, if you're starting to talk negative, get a friend to say, hey, stop it. I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay? So get the cut the negative chatter. I wrote down here, anytime you hear those voices in your head saying that you can't do something, interrupt the pattern and replace the self-talk with positive beliefs. Or like we talked earlier. Someone's you know, asking, how do you do that? How do you cut? What's the technique? I figured um, that you yeah. okay. So here's what I do know. Uh, maybe we have psychologists here. Here's what I do know. You cannot stop the first thought, but you can the second. Mm. So you're going to think negative, but you have to train yourself, say stop and work from there. Okay. Yeah. It's not easy but it has to be done and then get some accountability partners to help you okay it's so, almost like the first thought is not in your control that's what the first that's exact the first thought is not in your if you accept what i just said you're halfway there because you're not mad at yourself for not thinking the negative thought get right. it right. say okay well i couldn't stop myself from the first thought but boy I can fix it now. And maybe it's going to be four thoughts later, but, but you, you look, I, I, I'm studying with Rabbi Heller and we're talking about, and I, my wife and I have difficulty thanking God, you know, for all the things that the great things we have. And the, I'm, I'm sure you guys have gone through this exercise. One of the first things Rabbi Heller gave us to do was to tie our thumb to our hand. Okay. Rabbi Jack, do that to you guys? Not done this. No, not yet. But okay, I speak about well, gratitude for happiness. Okay, this is right. So, so tie your thumb to your hand and then walk around for the next three hours with your hand tied, with your thumb tied to your hand. And you will come away so grateful to have a thumb that works. It'll just, it'll make your day. So I do stuff like that. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for my elbow. All right. And I'm grateful for my thumb. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm grateful I can talk. I mean, I can't, I have to tell you something. I can't write, okay? I do not know how to write. I cannot communicate as so many people can write a book or write a phrase or write a paragraph. My gifts God gave me were the ability to be energetic and communicate some thoughts with high energy. Not, not because my words mean anything. The truth is that it, when we communicate, our words are only 7% of the communication. 38% is in the tonality and the balance is in the body language. You'll notice I'm all over the place. I'm communicating energy at a high level, okay? So I don't know. It, it, 
that's my cycle babble, if that helps. I love it. All right. The second thing I wrote down here is gain massive clarity. Clarity, because I learned from Rabbi Heller, clarity on how do you want to be above average, okay? Tim Ferriss wrote a book, and one of the things in his book, he talks about, listen to this, life punishes the vague wish and rewards the specific ask. Life punishes the vague wish and rewards the specific ask. I love this guy. If you want confusion and heartache, ask vague questions. If you want uncommon clarity, ask uncommonly clear questions. So here's the question. Here's, so what's, what does he mean? Um, I want to be, I want to be average at what? I want to be above average at what? Above average at financial success, physical fitness, romance, eating hot dogs with your hands tied behind your back. Where do you want to be uncommon, uh, uncommonly above average? So what specific things do you want to stop being average at? Ah, so how about um, you want to be an above average business person, right? So how about the first step to breaking free of an average lifestyle is to, to select the things you want to be excellent and to define what excellence means, okay? I want to be an excellent entrepreneur. What is excellent? Is it six figures? Is it seven figures? Is it eight figures? Is excellence a $20 billion hedge fund? What is excellence? Okay, let's decide that. What about physical health? Is it being able to run a mile under seven minutes? Bench pressing two plates? Bench pressing four plates? being less than 10% body fat, you have to be specific. You have to have clarity in this conversation, all right? Or just waking up every day with a lots of energy and excitement. That's what I do. But I've got to do it. I got to write, I got to write that stupid Peloton, all right? If I, don't ride the, if I don't ride the Peloton four days a week, I have a problem, all right? And I don't write it so good. I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna show you my numbers. I'm, but I'm out there and I'm out there every day. I'm the turtle, okay? You know the turtle and the rabbit story? I'm the turtle. For 44 years, I'm the turtle. I get up at the same time, I drive to the work at the same time, I tend to eat the same kinds of foods, I show up, I teach, I train, I have energy, and I do it again tomorrow. And I keep doing this. I'm so I'm sickeningly consistent. I've had competitors in the last 44 years that will run circles around me for a year or two and then they're gone. Let me tell you what a wonderful life you can have and how you can pay your properties off and have great stocks and great bonds and a fabulous family life, et cetera, et cetera. And all you have to do is just get up every day and do your job with energy, excitement, and enthusiasm and don't, get, don't have too many wild swings, okay? You're entitled to an occasional mess up, but not very many, okay? I wrote down here, 
This means that if you have no clarity, you will achieve no excellence. If you have no clarity, you will achieve no excellence, period. It doesn't matter how good you are at something. It's if you're not great, if you don't have clarity at what that something is, it's not going to work. When you okay? say, do you mean quantifiable goals? Quantif not just quantifiable goals, quantifiable activities to achieve the goal. Remember, it's not the goal, it's the activity. Activities. Okay? Rabbi, yes. I never learned Hebrew. I never learned Torah to do the chant. I did my bar mitzvah, et cetera, et cetera. But I would suspect that you spend hours a day, hours a week learning Torah. Yes or no? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And have Absolutely. four years, right? Yes. Okay. And, 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 and you're very learned and you do a great job with it. However, there's still a lot more for you to learn and you take little pieces and little slices and learn that. Am I correct? Yes. It's what you, you, you see, you've taught us, you, the Jewish people, I believe have taught what I'm doing here. I can't, I can't have these conversations with my staff. They're not Jewish, but, but the truth is that the Torah gives me the knowledge and the consistency of doing this. I mean, if it wasn't for Orthodox Judaism, there would be no Judaism today. That is my opinion, okay? It, because it's the Orthodox Jews that carry it through and don't allow the inconsistencies over, what is it, 5,800 years? 3,300 years. It's a long time, okay? I'm sold on the program. I just don't do it at the level that I should but I'm getting better every day. Write this down, Canny, C-A-N-I. Anthony Robbins uh, wrote this in his first book, Constant and Never-Ending Improvement. Canny, Constant and Never-Ending Improvement. That's me. Every day in every way I possibly can. Some better, some worse, some weeks are better, some weeks are not, okay? I wrote down here, uh, the third one, proven system for becoming world-class. Find a proven system for becoming world-class in what you want to do. Now, here's what's interesting. Many of you have heard that hustle is the key to success, right? But think about it. If hard work was all that was required to be world-class, then construction workers and landscapers would probably be some of the richest people in the world. I don't know people that work much harder than those guys and those gals. If you work hard uh, and you're what I call a cardio bunny who spends a couple hours a day on the treadmill, you'd be the fittest people around, but they aren't. Hard work's important, but more important than hard work is write this down, smart work. I wrote down here, on your quest to break free from the average life, you will come to the realization that life rewards targeted systems and punishes sporadic action. If you are not using a systemic approach, I have to refer back to the Torah, a systemic approach to learning, right? <laughs> right? Uh, okay. 
<laughs> so if you're not using a systemic approach to break out of the average life, then you're never going to achieve what you want to do. Systemic approach is having a goal and then writing the activities to achieve that goal on a regular basis. So I had a couple of friends. Uh, one guy was, we'll call him John Mark. Both were going to the gym at the same time. This is a true story. Okay, John shows up randomly and he works hard for a couple hours. So he's there and he's working hard for a couple hours. He lifts heavy weights, but he floats around. He goes from one exercise machine to another. There's no real system. He doesn't track his numbers. He doesn't track his rest times. He doesn't really even track the weights he lifts. He doesn't keep up with his calories. He just doesn't have a system for anything. And even though John works out two hours a day, his progress is minimal and his gains are disappointing. Mark, my other buddy, was a nutcase, okay? He has a system for everything. He researched the most scientific approach to muscle growth and strength gain. You know, this guy was like, a, like nuts. He tracks every lift. He tracked the times, his rest periods, his calories. He works out four, only four days a week for about 45 minutes. But the time that he works out is so systemic and strategic, he starts packing on two pounds of muscle a week. After three months, Mark's gained more than 15 pounds of muscle, while John's actually lost muscle. Why? Mark didn't have a system. Uh, Mark had a system and John didn't. It's all about getting a system and working the system. It's the activities, not the goal, okay? The fourth thing, write this down. Work, 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 work. Once you've clearly defined the outcome that you want and you've researched the best system, you've got to get out there and have some fun working, but you've got to work. There's nothing flashy about that part of the formula. It's simple, it's honest, and it is unavoidable. You've got to put in the work. If you want uncommon results, then you must apply an uncommon amount of effort into the right systems. And then the fifth point, the point where everybody gets a little bit screwed up, is you have to trust the process of time. It's going to take time. The final step of this process on how to make the best 2021 is to trust the compounding effect of time. If you gain clarity, undercovered the right systems, and consistently applying those you will eventually become world-class at whatever it is you want to be. It takes time. And you will not break out of an average life in a week or a month, and sometimes not even a year. But over the course of 18 to 24 months, you can transform yourself in every area of your life that you can currently imagine. So trust the process. Yeah. I think that trusting the process is also it's so important because a lot of times you make the mistakes on the way. You're, you're inconsistent on the way because you don't believe that it, you, you want the immediate results now. And because you want the result now, you'll put tremendous effort in one day and then a little bit of effort the next day and you won't be as consistent. Right. Exactly. See, you know, 
the one thing that I have and others that are my age that have done some of this is that we have the experience of going through the process. So one, what we know is we know that when you do this, this is what's going to happen. And people want to shortcut it and people want to get it in a year. Or they want to do this or they want to do that. But so write this, this, maybe this final thought down. You will be where you are. We've proven this. And it wasn't me. It was Harvard and Yale and those great schools have proven this, that you will be where you are exactly where you are five years from now. Wherever you are today, you'll be in the same place five years from now, except for two things. The books you read and the people you hang out with. That's a fact. You will be in exactly the same spot, except for the books you read and the people you hang out with. Okay, if you're the richest, smartest person you're hanging out with, you need to find some new friends. All right, questions on anything I covered? All right, guys, you can unmute yourselves. And uh, yeah, here we have Vlad. Hey, hey Vlad. Good to see you guys again. Yay. Um, how do you find a balance between, the perfect balance between, you know, seeking that success that you're referring to, the, the goals, as well as, um, maybe focusing on your spirituality, your soul, your family, uh, the community, things like that. What, is there a percentage that you should be allocating to those kind of things or is it almost like a 100% kind of task when you're setting a goal and taking those baby steps? That's a really great question. So um, I, I, I look at it as there's five equities in life. All right. Business is only one of the five. The, what we've talked about here is kind of the business side of it. However, all of the systems, all of the routines fit under there. So business, financial, and there's a difference between financial and business, even though some people don't think there is. Family, uh, spiritual, and health. Okay. You can divide them down a little bit more if you want. But I, I, I look at it at, at that. And when I build my plan, I look at all five of them. And the first one we take into consideration is family. Okay? I learned early on that if you don't consider the family first, the family has interesting ways of pulling you, pulling at you and on you where they will be considered, whether you want it or not. So include it, be part of it, and do it first. So what I do is I go to my, I look at all the key people of my life, and the number one key person, of course, is my wife, uh, but then I'll look at, at other things going on in the life and then try to find out where I'm needed. When the kids were younger, we would consult the schools and find out when parent-teacher conferences were, um, when vacations were, you know, they would, they would provide all of that. We'd line that in the calendar. So they make sure that I, cause I was the kind of parent that wanted to go to parent teacher conferences and, and be, you know, we're busy. We, we do lots of work, but 
were involved with the kids and soccer practice or baseball practice or you know whatever it was for for that so family first then the rest of the equities using the same techniques that we just went through to help you build in each one of those health attack it the same way family work with it the same way um spiritual same thing i mean i have a spiritual coach it's rabbi heller and we meet with him you know once a week every wednesday night for an hour um and have forever since uh, since we we met in his class and he married my wife and i he married us um and we we met with him and sometimes it's a gab fest and sometimes it's serious learning and sometimes um he happens to be also a psychotherapist, so sometimes he just psychoanalyzes us. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> so I don't know. Does that help a little bit? Definitely. Thank you. That's great. Anyone else? Hey, Neil, I have a I have question. question. Go for it, Gabe. Uh, mine's just, um, what are like your favorite books uh, of all time that have changed your life? I know, obviously, this uh, lecture is based off uh, the book you mentioned in the beginning, um, and you mentioned Tim Ferriss's book as well, but I'm wondering what are some other titles that you highly recommend? Um, I will, uh, if you, if you guys want, I'll, uh, I have a list of books that I give to my agents to read. Um, but the first books, the ones that were in the very beginning were, were two things. One, uh, even when I was a little kid and not even driving yet, I would ride my bike to the library and check out biographies. What, what, other, what famous people had done, how they accomplished what they did, their thinking, their processes. I did this, no one in my family ever did that stuff. I don't know where it came from, but I would, I would do that. I was interested in, in how other people did it. And then as I grew into, into business, um, anything Anthony Robbins, um, Anything Zig Ziglar, in my case, my mentor is Mike Ferry. Um, so anything Mike Ferry. Um, and uh, Dale Carnegie. And then Dale Carnegie had a couple of disciples too. And uh, so any of that kind of stuff. Sweet. So those were those books I just shared, those authors, those, those people were very important in the beginning of my business life. You know, it's like I say, what, what the, the, the foundation of my business is what Zig Ziglar said. If you'll help enough people do get what they want, you'll be able to get what you want. That is the foundation of my entire life. And my job is to help people get what they want. They want to make more money. They want to have a better life. They want to understand their why, their business. My job is to help them do that. If I help enough people do that, I make a little bit of money on those people. And then I get to have the life that I want. It's it was a simple process throughout my career. Wow, that's great. Who else wanted to ask? Sam. Yeah, I think Sam was. Um... Yeah, that's right. Um, so my question is, when you're thinking about, you know, kind of what, how you might leverage other people to help you with coming up with a plan or, you know, just getting some advice about how they see what you're doing, how, how would you go about that? Great question. So in my beginning of my career, 
I would meet with as many people like you're talking about and ask them questions about how, how did they get started? What were the books that they read, et cetera? And you could, you know, eight, 10, 12 questions. No, no big deal. Not, nothing, you know, you can sit out, you probably could do this, uh, Rabbi, as a brainstorm session and just ask the questions or I'll send you some that, that we've used in the past. But there's nothing special about the question. Tell me about your life. Tell me about this. Here's where people get screwed up. They ask a question and then start telling the person about themselves. That's a disaster. You can get people, look, look, you guys asked me a question to come on here. You asked me to talk a little bit. I was thrilled to do it. I don't get paid for this in money. I get paid for this and I, I enjoy it. But you're asking me questions about me. And what happens is people like talking about themselves. You guys get what's going on here? So what did I do? What did I do when I started this whole thing? Why I came on 10 minutes, 15 minutes early. What did I do, you guys? Ask questions. About who? Us. Yeah, didn't about talk us. anything about me hardly, right? So my asking you about you got you interested in me. You get what I'm saying here? So yeah. when you, Sam, the, just make it your point once a month to meet somebody, take them to lunch, take them to coffee. You know, you'll be surprised. You think they're going to say no. They don't. They don't. I've never said no. I have people come to, to, to me all the time, the agents that work for me. They want me to talk to their kids. I've never said no. I mean, it, maybe it's a Zoom call or, or a phone call, but we don't say no. People just don't ask. My mentor, I'll you know, tell you a true story. My mentor, uh, I thought was, the guy's name is Mike Ferry, a big time uh, coach guru, probably the, the first business coach uh, out there for uh, real estate agents ever. Anyway, di different deal. I wanted to get to know him. I mean, he's on stage, you know, blah, blah, blah. I would go, I would go to all his events. I'd go. So one day I asked him to lunch, you know, and I figured the guy always has lunch. He always goes with other more important people. I asked him to lunch. He said, sure. So, whoa. So I ran out. I got a, a seat for lunch. He comes out. And so we had lunch. We had a great time. Talked about all kinds of stuff, some personal, some business. Uh, but I'm not telling him about me. I, I'm asking him about him. Okay. So interesting thing. Fast forward. And I ask him there. We, we, I take him to dinner a couple of times. I've asked him to a couple of holiday parties that we had. One day I asked Mike, hey, buddy, uh, you must get a thousand invitations. You must have people all the time asking you to go to lunch and go do this. Why do you go with me? He says, oh, see, that's where you're wrong, Neil. Nobody ever asked. You did. True story. Okay? True story. Ask. And then listen. And don't tell your story. And if they ask you to tell your story, 
say, oh yeah, you know, I'm kind of in the real estate business or I'm an actor or I'm a lawyer, whatever I am, and then ask them a question. You just give them a, a little taste. Don't be disrespectful and not answer, but a small taste and then say, but you know, that I'm kind of curious. I mean, how did you get started? You said, you said you, you know, you lived in a house without running water. Tell me that story. <laughs> Does that help, Sam? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and by the way, you don't have to buy lunch and you don't have to buy fancy lunches. Okay. You really don't. <laughs> In fact, most, most busy people, really busy business people, men and women, don't go out for lunch. I, I can't tell you the last time I went out for lunch. Do they order it or make it themselves? One of, so whatever. They bring it in. They order in. Um, um, in my case, my wife, because I, I only want to eat. Uh, I sound really religious, and I'm not. I'm not really observant but I only eat kosher meat. Um, it was a commitment I made. Um, you know it, it, how you do little things, just a side note on this. My first Rosh Hashanah learning with Asha Torah, maybe it was the second one, second Rosh Hashanah. I was, I was in a class with Rabbi Braverman and Rabbi Braverman, it was, um, it was that, it was right the 10 days in between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And he asked a question. He says, uh, pick something that you're not doing and do it for the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Something, pick something and just do it for those 10 days. I said, whoa, I can do anything for 10 days. So I said, okay, I'm going to order. I'm going to only eat kosher meat. Okay. Now, um, which means that if I go to a restaurant and I can't, they don't have kosher meat, I could have a piece of fish and I don't get involved in all the different laws and things that I'm breaking at that time, but I'll have a pasta and a piece of fish instead of a, a steak or something or a hamburger. You guys get what I'm saying? Okay. So that's, that's what we, we hold to. So listen to this, those 10 days, 24 years later, I have never had non-kosher meat out from that day. That's Interesting. Is that, is that crazy? That 10 days. Choose something and watch what happens. Anyway, that was a, I don't know where that came from. I don't even know if that answers your question. <laughs> it goes back to the beginning where you said small thing leads into big ah, So That's exactly right. Now that's exactly, that's true story. True story. Um, uh, other questions? Yeah, yes, anyone I, else? Chaz. Yes. Hello, Neil. Um, so my name is Chaz. I'm a starting entrepreneur. And uh, my question is when you are starting and you're networking with more established entrepreneurs like yourself, how do you establish your own value in the face of those situations? Do you know what I'm saying? How do you how do go you, a little further? How do you add value to yourself in a first impression? You know, that's a great question. I talk to real estate agents about this all the time. 
you want to blow the customer away and it doesn't cost a penny, Sorry. first of all, show up on time. On time is 10 minutes early. It really is. Show up early, get in the moment. Doesn't cost a penny. Okay, you think I'm kidding here, all right? Well, let me tell you something. My experience is most real estate agents are never on time. So if you're a real estate agent and you're on time, you're already ahead of the game, okay? Um, be prepared. Know something about them. Google them. I mean, it's one today. Today you can Google. It doesn't take a lot of effort or hardly any money, but you can Google anybody before you go. I never, ever meet anyone that I haven't done some Googling and some information. I just don't go to that appointment. Why? Because I might be able to say something in the meeting that the person ears perk up because I know something about them or their kids or something, which to me as a professional says to me that you paid attention and you're doing something extra. You, you get what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Okay. Shine your shoes, guys. Guys, if you're wearing shoes, shine them. Keep the nails clean, ladies. No chips on the, on the what do they call that? Um, Nail polish. Nail polish. Nail polish. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Terrible. All right. Pet pet peeve of mine. If 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 I'm meeting a professional woman and she does all the other stuff, but her nails are chipped, something's wrong here. It's not something's not right in the details that need to be done in the transaction. Something's going to happen. Same thing with the guys and their shoes. If their their shoes aren't shined. I'm, I'm thinking something's going to happen in the detail. Now, those are, there's no charge for any of those, right, Chaz? Right. Now, those don't cost you anything. And then I'm like an overdresser. I get turning your head around and, and having it, you know, um, but, you know, I, I show up to my office on Zoom every day with a tie and a shirt. And I didn't come here that way because I was dressing a little bit more to the audience, but I'm not gonna come with a goofy hat and I'm not gonna come with um, um, a t-shirt. So my recommendation is dress slightly up for your meetings, okay? And on Zoom, you know, spend a little money, and, and most of you have are looking okay. You notice I, there's a decent amount of light on mine, and there's clarity. I didn't spend any real money on it, but uh, I added a little more light, and there's clarity so that the the zoom isn't dark. And since we're meeting this way all the time, it's got to be a little bit nicer. You get it? So make sure that your lighting. You know, five bucks, 10 bucks, you can get more light. Um, you know, you take, take a lamp from your mom, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but those are the little things that, you, that do make a very big difference.
practice that I look, I've got a lot of hours logged on um, on being on Zoom and and working on on being comfortable here. But you got to practice it. Before I came on, I reread my notes three times. You need to do those things, okay? I'm not getting paid for this. There's not going to be any riches. You know, nobody's going to come to work for the company because of this. Blah blah blah. But I think enough of myself and of you to give the best I possibly can. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I, I think those things can help you. They're little, but they're important. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This amazing. Anyone else? Love that. I love that question, Neil. Um, I, I first completely understand the whole appreciation of not having a like a, a finger been in a sling for a few months, a few, few weeks now oh. after surgery. Totally understand that. But picking on this on this detail situation you're talking about, I personally had a, like a problem with uh, you know some people call it analysis paralysis or ready aim 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 fire. Um, how do you get? past that yourself how do you go ready fire aim or ready aim fire and just just go forward a little bit of experience over time um my suspicion is you're probably analytical by nature correct correct okay so there's a book called um I think it's called Versatility Selling. Uh, the author is uh, Wilson, something Wilson. Um, and he talks about the four personality styles and, and how to identify them. And then there's a little bit of information in there on how to overcome it and, um, and work with it. But the, the truth is it's, baby steps consistently, not giant steps. What, you're, what you keep thinking is that you need to, you need to be, be completely ready on whatever it is you're working on. So what is it that you do? Is it Brady? Yeah, Brady. Brady, what is it that you do? What, it, what Are you in school? Are you working on something? Uh, currently working with a wealth uh, estate planning firm, but uh, just, just bought my first piece of property uh, about two months ago and finally took the plunge and didn't do the analysis paralysis, just took the deep dive. Okay. Well, then you, so you already got some practice at it. First one. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so I would, uh, I would continue to work on that and, and, and do the little things first. I mean, um, uh, not being analytical, it's hard for me to relate. Um, um, but I think what you, you can find is list out the basic things that you think you might need to do or know on that item. And then, um, well, let me ask you a question. Let me do this a different way. Why do you think you didn't do the paralysis on the buying the property? Uh, it's held me back. And I've consciously known that for a few years. So... I just felt like this time I just had to go through with it no matter what. Then you know what? That worked, right? This, uh, this one did. Yeah. Uh, that's the best answer. I think that's great. I think that's uh, absolutely fantastic. Congratulations. 
You know, uh, why did you feel like you were going to lose the interest rates or lose an opportunity to gain profit? Was that part of it? That's definitely part of it. Yeah, the interest rates are so low right now. It's called like free money. It is, it is free money. And if you can buy a house, do it right now, you guys. It's amazing. Um, so I'm going to finish with this, this thought, a little story, okay? Um, when you know your why, your how is easy. When you know your why. So, so Brady, you, you wanted to catch the interest rates and you wanted to catch the opportunity. So you had a why. Okay, maybe not the super compelling, awesome, awesome why, but when you know your why, the how is easier, okay? So I, I, deal with a, I deal with real estate agents all the time that say, well, I want to make a million dollars a year. Okay, great. So um, we'll, um, what, what, if, what if we don't get you to a million? What if we get you to, um, let's say, 920? Would that be okay? And, and uh, depending on the agent, depending on the person, they'd say, yeah, 920 is okay. I mean, think about it, 920. I didn't hit a million, but I got 920. Whoa, that'd be awesome. So then I ask another question and I say, well, okay, well, maybe we didn't get to 920, but we got to 830. Would 830, now come on, you guys, $830,000 in the next 12 months. I wanted a million, okay? I don't need a million. I don't have to have the million, but I wanted the million, but now I got 830,000. Is there anybody here that probably wouldn't walk away from 830,000 in the next 12 months? The answer is probably not, okay? But see what's going on here is that we haven't tied the why close enough to the money. It's not the money that's the compelling force. It's the why, all right? It's the why. So the why is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get something. I'm going to buy a house. So I'm going to get great interest rate. And I'm going to have an opportunity where it's going to make more money. And that's part of your why, okay? That worked for him. When you know your why. So here's what, here's what you have to determine. You have to keep working on what your why is. All right. Down the street here, there are two buildings. It's in Century City. You know the two towers I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about in Century City? Yeah. There's two towers. I don't know if you know this or not, but those towers are, are um, let's see, they're... Um, they're 44 stories high. Those two towers are 44 stories each. They're 500 feet off the ground, all right? So here's the thing. Now, I'm gonna build a bridge and it's gonna be the sturdiest bridge and in the closest part of where the buildings are together is 50 feet apart. And I'm gonna build a bridge up there that's going to be not going to sway. Everything's going to be fine with it. I'm going to have, it's going to be three feet wide. <clears throat> it's going to have rails and it's going to be 500 feet off the ground and the wind is blowing. And I put the bridge in there and I say to you, hey guys and gals, look, everybody needs to walk across this bridge. Nope. Most of you, including me, would probably say you're nuts. I'm not walking across this bridge. I'm not doing it. There's nothing down below, even though if I've assured you and we have certifications from all the different people in Los Angeles 
There's nothing going to happen to this bridge. It's not going to fall down. You're not crossing it, right? Most of you would agree with that. Let me change the scenario slightly. On, I'm on one end of the bridge, the 50 feet across. On the other end is a terrorist. The terrorist has your son or daughter, your niece or nephew, and they have them by the scruff of the neck. And they say, if you don't come across this bridge right now, I'm dropping this child. What do you do? Run across the bridge. Right? You run across the bridge. Because the why doesn't matter. The why is important. You now know why you're doing it, and you're doing it for a great reason. Now, it's a dramatic thing. But that's the point we need to do. We need to get the thing. You're never going to make the money you want and have the things that you want unless they're attached to something important to you. We have to find that thing. And that's what you have to continue to work on. Because when you know the why, the how is easy. That's all I got. I got nothing else. That ties back into what you were saying about how your career should also be focused on family and other aspects. Because for sure. Then you know, the, you know the why of what you're doing all this work for. It's got a deeper meaning to it. It all comes back to Torah. I sound so religious. <laughs> <laughs> so do I sometimes. You know? <laughs> Only sometimes, you know. <laughs> well, I hope this was helpful. This that was, was amazing. amazing. I it's see incredible. everyone's faces. Come on. <laughs> they loved it. This Thumbs up if you think it was good. Yes, guys. Now, put a four in the chat box. <laughs> oh, wow. The fours are uh, running. The fours through. in the chat box. Yeah, right. <laughs> we put 40 oh, lots oh, of wow. fours. You got, you got Whoa. it. A four <laughs> with an exclamation point. Thank you. Yeah, that was nice. quite a thing. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope it was helpful. Thank you so Um, much. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And put in the, let me do this for you right now. We have one, someone who said last question. Maybe you'll have a minute. Go ahead. Hey, Neil. Um, first off, I just want to say thank you very much for hopping on the Zoom call with HLA. It was really amazing. Um, it was definitely a great help. Um, the last question that I have is knowing everything that you know now, if you can go back to your early mid-20s, like most of us are, what would you, what would you tell yourself or what advice would you give and um, why? It's a good question. Um, I was asked a question probably in my mid-20s that if I could do anything I wanted to do in my life, money was not an object. What would I do? How would I spend my life? And at that time, I was in the real estate business and I said, I want to help real estate agents and brokers. No, excuse me, brokers, not agents. I want to help real estate brokers um, build their business and give training and and help them to develop, et cetera, et cetera. This was probably in the 80s. I would do this work for nothing. I love what I do. 
find something like that. See, the neat part is I found it. It manifested itself. I guess what I really wanted to be as a teacher, but teachers didn't make a lot of money. So I figured out how to get paid a lot of money being a teacher. Okay. But that's what I am. I essentially a teacher, a coach. Um, uh, I'm an awakener, if you will. Um, and I wake up every morning excited to do what I want to do. It's a cliche. You've heard this a million times, but you have to find something that you're passionate about and you're excited about and throws you out of bed in the morning and that you want to get up and get going. And that, um, and it's not, it's not, look, I have issues. I have, you know, there are certain things that I'm really good at certain things in my business and other things I'm not that good at. And those things I don't like to do. And when I have to do them, it annoys me. And um, I, in my whole career, I've tried to find people to hire them to do those things. And, um, you know, it's the elusive butterfly. It's always seems to be out there. But I, the team I have right now, I'm, uh, I feel really, really good about. But um, that's what I would do. I would, um, I would try a lot of things. Uh, I was a diesel mechanic. Um, I used to sell things with, from, with my dad at the swap meet. Um, I was in a, I worked for a guy that used to be in the train wreck business. Um, but everything kind of all rat was around sales. Okay. I loved selling. I loved the, the hunt. I loved to figure a way to, to close a deal and to, to give value. Um, never cheat anybody. I never wanted to do that, but, um, you know, try to figure out how to do it the right way. That, that was the way it was for me. Um, I'd work hard on that. And I, and I would, and I worked for free. When I say for free, you gotta, you gotta have enough money to, to live. But uh, I didn't, I didn't get paid a lot of money early on um, because I kept trying different things. I tried to find my value, so to speak, work tons of hours, uh, do many different things. And like I said, the train wreck business, I was in the coast guard. Um, I was search and rescue. Um, but, it, you know, a lot of it came back into sales and I found this and I told you, I started with no one would ever, ever, ever pay me what I've earned and amassed in this business with the education I had and the family background I had and the, and the, the, the lack of, uh, I mean, pay, my parents never, never hurt me. They were, they were terrific. They never put cigarettes out on me and stuff like that, but they weren't paying for college and they weren't paying for my car and they weren't paying for my life. That was not possible at that time. Um, but, you know, I found this world. Try to find this world for you. What, what is it? Maybe it's, and I never went to school. I never went to college. Um, not sure that wasn't a mistake at some point because I didn't learn how to use a spreadsheet until I was in my 40s and boy, whoa, did I open up a lot of doors when I learned how to use a spreadsheet. <laughs> so you have, you don't know how to use a spreadsheet, go to take a class, it's very good use. All right, hopefully that helps a little bit. Thank you very much, I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs>